0: Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast for uh, early December. You know what? I think it's almost Pearl Harbor Day. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Far Cry Two. Huh. Well, uh.
1: That's surprising to me uh, my name is Jason McMaster and my game of the week is uh, not Juan Darlow.
2: I don't even know what that is my name is Graham uh, on the forum's Gadon and my game of the week is not Six man's Morris which I've been losing at constantly on Assassin's Creed three
0: ah yes yes I don't I don't remember the names of all those I tend to jumble them together like I know there's like some kind of sailor game and then there's just checkers and then there's frontier battleship or whatever all those crazy little board games six man's yeah. morse is that the one where you've got the square and you're moving around the outside of the square and the inside of the square you're trying to line up
2: three yeah it starts where you're just uh, placing the stones yeah, you're trying Morris. to line up three stones the yeah there's six nine and twelve man's morse and six is just six is brutal it's brutal
0: yeah i 'm glad that that finally America invented like doom and World of Warcraft because if we were still playing stuff like that these days i I would be at a job. I would not be writing about games
2: yeah definitely i'm definitely i mean i 'm sure they played successful they 're like this isn 't cutting anymore guys
0: it 's time for doom it 's time for a gun that 's right someone get john Car- Carmack in here quick stat. Uh so Graham, you mentioned your forum name. I always assumed uh, because i 'm a fan of horror movies, there is this uh school of Italian horror named after i think the Italian word for yellow called giallo uh, okay. and, and they they tend to be weird uh, like serial killer movies and they 're they 're lit garishly and uh they tend to subject women to horrible fates. Uh, it's just this weird sort of sub-genre of Italian horror. So I always thought your name was Giadon. Okay.
2: Uh, In connection that, with that?
0: With that, because I just see those letters together, and I think Giallo. Okay. And, but it's uh, so. pronounce it for us again.
2: Sure. Giadon.
0: Now, I have a question for you, Graham. I don't have my copy of, copy of uh, Deities and Demigods handy, so I can't look it up. But how many hit dice does Gaidon have? <laughs> uh, I think that's a Dungeons and Dragons reference I don't know Oh, look how cool Graham is Oh, I think you're talking about Star Trek or Dungeons and Dragons I don't know personally
2: <laughs> Well, his dice I mean I've never been much of a physical A physical gamer
0: well, what you're, a term? Mm-hmm, well, no, what you're saying, Graham Is that you don't do analog
2: <laughs> I don't do analog Except for the classics Chess checkers and so, six
0: Man's Morse.
2: Six Man's Morse. I don't know if someone in real life was like, "Let's play six Man's Morse." I'd be like, you know what? I'd punch him.
0: <laughs> yeah, a, I probably would too. Yeah, justifiable uh, reaction, absolutely. Uh, so, does Gaia mean anything? Come on, it's got to be something. Did, sort did, of. Did Godzilla ever fight Gaia Don?
2: <laughs> no, that'd be cooler. No, it 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 just comes from my childhood. Um, I had a friend uh, named. Well, named Keith. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty generic. That's not going to reveal who he is. Named Keith, and we were good friends, and we would play video games together, and we were playing a, one of those old Japanese RPGs where you like name your party, uh-huh. um, and he created that. He created the name the name Gaidon for the protagonist, which, and I really liked it, and uh, and I and I sort of adopted it uh, for for games and sort of as a digital persona. He does. He's a he's a Buddhist monk now. He doesn't use it, um, so.
0: So because, I feel justified. Because he's a Buddhist monk? Like, what, why can't he, uh, I, can he still not, can Buddhist monks not play uh, party-based RPGs?
2: You know, that's a decent question. I don't know that either. Um, I, mo, more just, he's, he he just doesn't, uh, doesn't have much of an online presence.
0: Sure, understood. Uh, McMaster was briefly uh, Amish, and he wasn't doing a lot of video <laughs> gaming during that period in his life. McMaster, I mean, yeah. I'm glad you snapped out of that. Oh yeah, not
2: So you can convert to Amishism? I didn't know that.
1: Uh, Basically, oh yeah, it's kind of you of like first journey. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, I, it's like uh, I'm. I wanted to be more secular. Uh, I am the English, so we have like an exchange program <laughs> where they send them out. Nobody ever hears about when we right. go in
0: there and hate it. And oh, I, they, oh, nobody I ever stays Amish. Sense. And I have to say, McMaster cuts a fine figure on the back of a horse-drawn wagon. Well, I
1: mean, obviously.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of horse-drawn wagons, uh, Graham, you did for us uh, a game diary for Assassin's Creed. I guess uh, Revelations for the multiplayer, and that for the multiplayer. Yeah, yep, that's right. Uh, and you have opened with an Assassin's Creed Three reference here, so <laughs> I'm guessing this means have you been have you played the multiplayer for Assassin's Creed Three?
2: I have. Yes.
0: Is it is it rocking your world?
2: Yeah, it's good. It's good. There, I have I have a few. Problems with it, and a few things I really like. Uh, one problem is that yeah, they got rid of this the zombie mode. I'm not sure it was actually called that. I think it's called Infection, which I really enjoyed. Where two players would start out as hostile, and the rest had to hide, and the hostile players would gradually, you know, just find and assassinate those players, and they'd become hostile until eventually it's just one guy terrified hiding from the rest of the team, mm-hmm. uh, and that had a really good flow to it. But they got rid of that and added this domination mode that. Might make sense with a, with a highly organized team, but just playing with random people online, which is how I tend to play Assassin's Creed, it's, it's pretty difficult to do. Uh, so that's, you know, I, I'm sad about that. But they did a lot of really good changes. They moved stun to a different button it's on the X button now. So before it was really easy to hit the B button because it didn't do anything else. So if you're near a bunch of civilians, you're just, like, stunning all the time. Uh, but now if you do that, you'll actually assassinate a civilian if you're not targeting Your pursuer, so it's much um, less—it's much less easy to abuse, which I appreciate. There's a bunch of other changes like that. So, I mean, in in all, I'm I'm very happy with it.
0: I didn't realize—I guess I didn't think of that. But yeah, there's that whole risk-reward of do I do I want to risk wailing away on the X button uh, and killing someone? When I play with McMaster, he has no compunction about that. McMaster (laughs) is a threat to all civilians in uh, Assassin's Creed. Well, I'm also usually number one too. Mm. (laughs) Never mind. when you just wail away on that X button, things happen. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. yeah I, I chase down the time people, too. Tom's too busy slowly planning his next kill.
0: Remaster, that's your job. We need you to tra- chase down the bonus... Collection oh, hits. Basically.
1: Oh, I know it is. Oh, gonna, I know
0: we're going to be over here playing the real game. You just buy us time. You know that's your job. So uh, good Tom's going on.
1: for like the slow burn on most of his assassinations. He like tries to take them out to dinner and they, get, <laughs> <laughs> they become friends first. And well, everything. that's how you get the
2: most points. I mean, I think if you get to first base, that's like a thousand point bonus. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, it's worth it if you can do it consistently. Did yeah, you
0: guys see? Did, so well. uh, did you see the remake of the mechanic with uh, Jason? Statham and Ben Foster. By the way, no. was is... it
2: called? The mechanic. I didn't
0: see it. It was called the mechanic, and uh, Ben Foster has a kill in that movie that would have scored a huge amount of points. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Suffice is, to say, uh, dinner and drinks are involved. Is there a
1: uh, is there a part with Statham walking around with chains on his feet or something like that? Because I may have seen that movie. But then again, that's like every movie of his. I mean, he's a wandering. it's like
0: saying, yeah, that's like saying does he take his shirt off and fight dudes? It's kinda Yeah. Evil. Which how the
1: how did the hell did that happen? But anyway, whatever. Okay, that's
0: that's on. not for you, McMaster, that's for the ladies.
1: Well it's but <laughs> Jason Statham, you know I like yeah. Jason Statham.
2: I'm so do him. I. <laughs> oh, <all>
1: right.
2: <laughs> well, what's the issue?
1: I don't see him as a sex symbol. It's just kind of like a weird like he's a fighter. Well, you know? McMaster, like, he's, you're
0: not you're you're not gay, of course you don't. Well, I mean, that's what I I don't either. But right, a little bit for Statham, I understand that. But uh, yeah, that's that's you know that's his that's his cross gender appeal. The ladies come to see him take his shirt off. The dudes come to see him punch other dudes. So there you go. That's I the just, secret to his box office success, McMaster.
1: I just like I don't know. I'm gonna stick with Lock, Stock, and Snatch. Right. Both of those are non-violent Jason Statham movies.
0: Well, those are called ensemble pieces, where he tends to get swallowed in ensembles. Uh, he's a lot less uh, conspicuous. You know, yeah, he's you pretty great Snatch, though. So. Now, I know what you're saying
1: with Lockstock, because he's definitely a background character in that one. But Graham, what's your favorite
0: Jason Statham movie?
2: <laughs> My favorite Jason Statham movie? Well, I mean, Snatch is definitely high up there. Maybe uh, Crank. I don't know. They're all, they all have, I mean, They're all like one word. Yeah, I mean, Jason Statham, <laughs> Jason Statham takes his shirt off and punches people. I guess on The Transporter 2, he fought that bizarre Russian woman, so that was a, that was a bit of a curveball. Uh, uh, but I'll
0: say Snatch. Graham, thank you for not saying Crank 2, by the way. <laughs> uh, You're welcome. Uh, all right, so let's see. Uh, we could talk Assassin's Creed 3, but I have another 3 that I want to talk about. Uh, briefly, but before I do, a quick correction from last week. Uh, I am terrible at math. It turns out that Ragnarok Odyssey does not is not a four gigabyte install. <laughs> Shut up, McMaster. <laughs> it is a, it is a one gigabyte install. But the save files, which are listed on the little system requirement on the little details page, the save files are four megabytes. But they don't mm. write it in megabytes. They write something like four thousand something bytes but a kilobyte whatever so i saw that and the math in my head made me think this is telling me something about four gigabytes this won't fit on my memory card but i was wrong it turns out that ragnarok odyssey is not nearly as huge a download as i claimed it was last week so if you are like me and mcmaster and just have your little four gigabyte uh card for your playstation Vita, oh mcmaster you've upgraded interesting yeah well, I'm going to have to because uh, of a couple of games that I'm going to talk about later. Uh, but I am still with a four-gigabyte card. Graham, how big is your card in your PlayStation Vita? <laughs> uh,
2: I'm not a Vita owner, so...
0: All right, well, we're, we're going to try
2: potentially to... Potentially infinite, potentially infinite. <laughs> or, or zero. Right, you... Well, yeah, that's, that's the
0: trouble with potentialities. Schrodinger's uh, Vita. You people in your math uh so okay so that's uh mcmaster do you have any corrections you need to make from last week
1: no only that you were wrong about that i was gonna i was gonna bring that up too. (laughs) thank you
0: uh all right so before we get into our games of the week and news of the week graham we've brought you here today because you uh cheated when it came to playing (laughs) you you broke the international laws of video gaming regulation when you played Far Cry 3, why don't you confess right now your crimes to the world court of video game releases?
2: Well, I, I mean, I, I think I'm the victim as much as anybody, mm-hmm. because what happened is Green Man Gaming, which is a semi-shady, you know, UK retailer, online retailer, uh-huh. sold me, the innocent consumer uh far cry 3 in north america before you know when they weren't supposed to and i innocently bought it like a lamb and when it came out to the rest of the world they 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 gave it to me along with everyone else so i did sort of cheat but i you know i paid for it i am paying for it
0: well graham i just want you to tell that to the fine folks at the hague (laughs) (laughs)
2: i'm not worried about ubisoft frankly
0: uh, most people are Graham. As, as yeah, sure. they,
2: I mean, yeah, they make the Tom Clancy games. I'm just saying
0: they could come after you. They have, they, a, could they come after me. They might they have some, some future soldiers to your door before you well, know it.
1: Mostly yeah. just wearing mocap suits, but I mean, <laughs> that was scary too. I, I
2: think those things are bulky. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> you hear a bunch of ping pong balls. So Graham, you and I are the only folks on this podcast who have played far cry. Creek. Um, you you have you, you've gotten all the way through. Am I mis- am I mistaken? You've, you've, yep, you've- yeah. Okay, you've I've seen-, seen the story. I okay. conquered all the strongholds,
2: and now I'm playing it again because I didn't want to play it without the strongholds. So that's where I am.
0: So how do you feel about? Uh, well, okay, let me let me put it to you this way. Uh, my approach to Far Cry Three had a lot to do with how much I liked Far Cry Two. Um, Far Cry 2 made some very bold design decisions. Some folks hated it, some folks loved it. Uh, do you think it's fair to judge Far Cry 3 in comparison to Far Cry 2, or should one come to it just sort of uh, as naked as a babe in the woods?
2: Sure. Well, I think it's impossible. If you played Far Cry 2, uh, I think it's impossible to come to it to Far Cry 3 naked as a babe in the woods. Um, mm-hmm. But I think ultimately, you know, any game should be enjoyed on its own merits. I think that you can consider it as part of a lineage. Uh, And if you see it as a descent from Far Cry 2, you know, there's a lot of huge differences. But there are a lot of huge differences between Far Cry and Far Cry 2 as well. So you need to sort of, you know, I think it's appropriate to look at each one on its own.
0: Well put, well put. So on its own, uh, how did you feel about Far Cry 3?
2: On its own, I feel I feel good about Far Cry Three. Uh, I you know I certainly enjoy it. It's beautiful. The island is a lot of fun. The you know the combat's a lot of fun. I think there are a lot of really really bizarre problems. A lot of like left hand didn't know what the right was doing problems. Um, the story is uh, you know really just doesn't doesn't do it for me. Um, but you know just when I'm just on the island uh, and hunting animals or. You know, gathering green leaves and yellow leaves, uh, or diving, which I really like to do, exploring shipwrecks and stuff. You know, it's a really
0: great experience, so. Uh, some of that that leaf, just to hear you just now say it, and it hadn't really occurred to me before, all that leaf hunting is kind of like, uh, it reminds me of a Resident Evil game.
2: Yeah, absolutely, I thought of that, too. And I thought of, uh, well, there's a lot of fantasy games, but yeah, like The Witcher 2, or any game where you, where you sort of prepare.
0: Mm-hmm. So judging Far Cry 3 on its own, even aside from the differences that it has from Far Cry 2, and by the way, I can kind of understand, uh, I'm personally disappointed, but I can kind of understand Ubisoft saying, you know what, all those cool things we did in Far Cry 2, uh, we're not going to do those. We're we're just going to make a safe game designed to appeal to people who had a problem with Far Cry 2. Uh, and I can kind of understand that just because Far Cry 2 does things that, that video games don't really do. It violates a lot of the tenets of conventional wisdom about video game design. So this seems to be Ubisoft playing it safe uh, and uh, appealing to a different audience. And I, I see that, and I'm like, fair enough. Uh, and some of it really works. Um, but I have to say, Graham, one of the things that uh, I have a huge problem with in Far Cry 3, and I'm curious if this bothered you as well, yeah. is... All that, all that stuff that you talk about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the plants and the hunting, um, I really hate how all of that is taken out of the game world and dropped onto menus. Uh, you, I just, I hate it. So a word that gets kicked around a lot when people talk about video games, and I think people lose track of what this word means when they throw it out there, is Immersive now immersive these days basically means something that you like you know if you <laughs> if you like a game it's immersive you know guild wars 2 immersive immersive yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, assassin's creed immersive uh, to to me i mean I, I i think the original intent of that word means it has to do with how much time you spend in the game world rather than in a menu or in an interface or something like that. Uh, for instance, as much as I love Guild Wars 2, as much as I love Diablo 3, those games are not immersive. You constantly have your nose in an interface, in, a, in an inter- inventory display or looking at your stats or selling stuff to the vendor. Love the games. They are not immersive in any sense. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a key ingredient to a game. But that's one of the things that Far Cry 2 did relentlessly, is it didn't force you to ever get out of the game uh, and and look at an inventory screen or something. When you got in a car, it did not put you in a third-person perspective behind the car. Uh, It was constantly about keeping your eyes in the game world as if you were the head of the main character. So what I hate in Far Cry 3, what drives me crazy, is they've got all of these systems that require backing out of this world they've created. And I, I just, I couldn't stand that. I mean, it, I, and it, it, I think it scuttles some of the cool things they do, like that potion system. Uh, I just hated how often I had to back out and see how many different flowers I had of different colors. And can I afford this recipe? And oh, I can't. I need two more yellow flowers. Um, all that stuff drove me crazy. Oh, do I need dingo pelts yet? Uh, uh, yeah, I need two more. Like I, I really felt that that was a, a huge shortcoming of this cool game that they've designed. Even if you look at it on its own, aside from Far Cry Two, uh, I just spent so much time in those stupid inventory screens. Did
2: yeah, that- I absolutely
0: agree.
2: Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. Like, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought I actually thought about, I had a very similar train of thought to you. I, I thought about immersiveness, what it is. Um, and I think it's used, I mean, yeah, I like a game, so it's immersive, but I think a lot of people also use it to describe verisimilitude, uh, and especially now that the fidelity of games has become, you know, so high um, that it, it's become much more of an issue when you see something that's clearly not real or unreal. People say it breaks immersion, although I do, for me personally, that's not as much of an issue, um, and I can certainly be immersed in, in Unreal games or games more importantly, that just don't have high fidelity graphics, like Super Metroid, or even a strategy game like Crusader, K- or yeah, like Crusader Kings, mm-hmm. where you know you're essentially going to map in numbers the whole time. Right. But what you are doing in, a, in an immersive game, or at least what I'm doing, is I'm I'm continually thinking about about the game, about what I want to do, um, and that thought is translated into my actions in the game world. And I think that Far Cry 2 does that really well, where you know, you want to get somewhere, you don't know where it is. You pull up the map, uh, and, you know, your character physically holds a, 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 sem- a sort of magical map, you know. But it, it is a physical map that your character looks at, and you re- you remain inside uh, that that sort of moment. Yep. Whereas in Far Cry 3, that moment is continually interrupted, as, as you were saying. So that flow of thought to action that is re- is preserved very well in, in Far Cry 2 and in, in, in tons of games um, is... is continually uh, ruined in Far Cry 3. And it, it's, it's not a good system. I agree.
0: Now, uh, you mentioned uh, that you've taken out all the outposts. I want to briefly describe what this is. Uh, yeah. When you when you start the game, you are on an island, and there are red flags are on the island, and each red flag emanates the color red. Uh, and if you seize the area where the red flag is it stops basically spawning bad guys in that red area that that emanates around it you are you are taking control of territory you're basically reclaiming the island and depopulating it of the bad guys who you fight against so it has this weird you know you're in an open world game but as you make territory safe, there is less actual shooting in that territory because bad guys don't wander around. They're not on patrols. They won't drive up on jeeps and mess with you. Um, on one hand, uh, I kind of that, that's, a, that's a big reaction again to what they were doing in Far Cry 2, where you could never be safe. You could never claim territory. Uh, here, it's a lot more like Saints Row. Where okay, there's this neighborhood. I'm going to take out. I'm going to seize it. It's going to be mine. And they did something similar with these little red flags in the outposts. Uh, so Graham, you mentioned you played through once. You took all of the outposts. I took uh, all the outposts. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> and and so what? <laughs> you basically beat the game, right?
2: I beat the game. I mean, it was it was. I was just I was just really curious because mm-hmm. I thought it was a I thought it was a problem that as I expanded my territory, there was, a, you know, the game became less fun um, because I, you know, I'd still want to stay within a certain amount of territory because the game also has countless collectibles, letters from old World War II Japanese soldiers, you know, native relics that are scattered all over. And, you know, I wanted to find them and stuff like that. But once the enemies were gone, I was just sort of, you know, maneuvering through this beautifully rendered, uh, but ultimately, you know, empty uh i mean they're like animals and stuff but fairly mundane 3d landscape of the island so without that risk of being like oh maybe i'll go over here and i'll be attacked by this dude on a jeep it was just sort of sort of too calm right so i really wanted to see what would happen if i, I took all the outposts with the game what would happen i mean not i at least hope that like citra would call me back to her fort and she'd be like hey you liberated the whole island like good job here's another <laughs> here's another awkward 3d sex scene
0: and is that what you got graham
2: no i did not get that Uh, i got an achievement you play gave me an achievement good but other than that uh not much i got that and i got you know an empty island
0: uh so graham don't spend all of those 40 you play points in in one place (laughs) (laughs) save those up yeah uh you mentioned maneuvering you mentioned maneuvering too and there's uh there's a heavy emphasis in this game on just teleporting around, which, yeah, which on, on one hand, though, I can understand that. It's convenient, and I like if I just want to go do an outpost mission, I like being able to zap over and get near the outpost. But on the other hand... I feel it robs the game of a sense of geography, and I have this issue with a lot of Bethesda's games, is they create these, these lovely, wonderful worlds, and then they give you the option to just ignore them and teleport around and not have any sense of geography. These mountains are near this area, this town is close to these plains, and this river over here, oh God, it's so far away from where I want to be over there. You know, you get a sense of the world when you can't just zap around and magically teleport um however do gamers want that or do they just want to get to the shooting and the collectible or the subquest? um so i just feel that they've created this really cool world here and i i didn't have to see any of it there there are two islands on far cry uh and this is very similar to far cry 2 as well uh there are two islands on far cry 3 there's the island where you start and then there's like the bad guy island that's the second half really the second the, the final third of the game and when they drop you into that second island And I feel this was a huge tactical error. Uh, They already have teleport spots all over that area set up for you. Normally you had to find those on your own in the first island, so there was this sense of exploration. And this is how Bethesda does it, is I can't fast travel to that area until I've walked over there once. Right. But but for whatever reason, Ubisoft, for the last third of the game on this other island doesn't do that they let you just bop around and basically ignore the terrain and the geography and just fast travel from mission to mission to mission which i thought was a really odd decision
1: that's Uh, That's a really bad decision
0: it it made me think they they knew that i was getting impatient at that point and just wanted to finish the game i don't i don't know what was behind that idea um
2: i mean uh, i don't i'm not a fan of fast travel personally and i I try to keep it to a minimum but i think that it I think it's a good option for people who don't have a lot of time, or who are just like, "God, let's get to the end of this frigging game already." And I mean, there's no—you don't have to use it. You never have to use it. So I, I, I can't criticize Ubisoft for including it. In fact, I think it's a good thing for, for game designers to allow gamers to play it in different ways. So I don't need to use the fast travel points, but make, you know, but another player who who doesn't have the time I have, or who really hates just wandering over the island, can just get to the moments of action. So. Ultimately, I understand. I think it's
0: a good decision, but it's certainly not something that I do. And that—that's kind of—it seems like the mandate behind Far Cry Three is let's just support various modes of play. People who have varying amounts of Uh, time—we're not going to be as demanding as as Far Cry Two. So, in a way, ultimately, I respect that. Yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah, Well, uh, Far Cry mm Two spoke in this language of um, of limitations on the gamer, which is super rare. Yes. Uh, Whereas Far Cry Three is all about. Expanding your power, you know, you get experience points to unlock new skills. You're always getting more and more powerful. Far Cry 2, you are continually <laughs> and semi-randomly getting weaker when your gun won't fire or you suffer the symptoms of malaria, and suddenly you need to change your plan. So that idea of making the gamer, of making the player weaker, uh, of making things happen unexpectedly or out of control of the player, are are both very rare and I think very powerful elements of far cry 2 but completely absent from far
0: cry 3 yeah far cry 3 is very much a typical power fantasy and you can see that by the way in that awful storyline uh (laughs) so 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 graham how how much did you empathize with uh, jason brody (laughs) Did, did you feel like you were jason brody
2: no, I didn't feel like I was Jason Brody. It's pretty rare for me to, to totally meld my mind with the protagonist of a game. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely didn't feel like Jason Brody. He's suddenly set up to be, you know, a douchebag, um, but a recognizable one. You know, I, I empathize with him to an extent, but I never, I never felt I was him. I, but I, I hate- wanted to be him.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I hated when the bad guys kept calling me slash him out by name. I was like, shut don't, yeah, don't say my name. I don't, I'm not, I don't want you to set me up as a protagonist in a franchise. Just shut up about who I'm supposed to be here. Uh, so you mentioned various, various, missimil- good lord. You mentioned a word that I don't normally say out loud, but that I read a lot. Uh, okay. re- realism. Let's call it realism. Okay. Uh, sure. uh, all right. I just want to bring up two, my two issues with realism. Uh, actually, this is one issue with realism in Far Cry Three. Uh-huh. where various people might play the game and they might think, oh, this gun doesn't have this many rounds in this type of magazine. It's unrealistic. Here's where realism was harmed for me. Or maybe, let's say, you are a doctor and you see okay. Jason Brody using a stick to dig a bullet out of his arm and you're like, oh, that's not realistic. So yeah. very, very various people have their criteria for realism. Here's where I realized that the people who made Far Cry 3 did not make a realistic game. All right. so, so these kids, there's uh, five, six, however many of them there are, they're on vacation. They get kidnapped. Jason Brody is one of them. He escapes and has to rescue all of them. At one point, uh, one of them says something to Jason Brody about, come on, man, let's, you've saved us. Let's leave the island and go back to Santa Monica because that's where these kids are from. I knew immediately at that moment this game was fake because nobody who lives in Santa Monica says he or she lives in Santa Monica. You say you live in Los Angeles, and then oh. people say, oh, what part of Los Angeles? And then you say Santa Monica. Nobody thinks of themselves as living in or going to or being from Santa Monica. So that's of Santa Monica. Yeah. That, and I, I live in Los Angeles, so I I know Santa Monicans. I, I can speak from experience. <laughs> The second yeah. one, there's a flashback. One of the, one of the okay. chicks, is, uh, she's an actress, and during a flashback, uh, she's telling uh, Jason Brody, uh, hey, I got the part. The studio called and said, I got the part. Uh, and this is his flashback, remembering to when she was in Santa Monica getting parts. Okay, that's not how it works. The studio does not call you when you get a part. Your agent calls you. So again, immediately, mm. Far, Far Cry 3, not realistic. Yeah,
2: well, you know what's interesting. I mean, okay. Far Cry Three. Yeah, obviously, it, it graphically it's very real. There's the, you know, there's the different, uh, you know, culture issues, I guess, that you mentioned. But there's things to go to get a bit deeper. Like in the Rook Islands, for example, the sun rises in the west and sets in the east. Whoa, 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 whoa! Are you serious? <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm totally serious. <laughs> Wait a minute, how did they screw that up? Oh, you know what? Well, I- no, Graham, I think that's because it's south of the equator. See that's that's, how that works. Yeah, when you're south of the equator, isn't that how that works? McMaster, help us out here.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, it just (laughs) it just rises wherever it wants once you get to a certain point uh, in the equator. It just like it'll come up like just all of a sudden, scare the Jesus out of you. I mean, just like you know.
0: Uh, I had no idea about that, Graham. That's awesome. Uh, I hear someone Googling that. I've made that up. That's not true. It does not rise south of the, It doesn't rise differently. Furthermore, water does not swirl down a drain in any different direction south of the equator. Uh, so uh, 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 it's definitely a power fantasy, total action game, over the top. Uh, here's another realism issue, Graham. I'm curious how you feel about this. As you're playing, you build ammo pouches and syringe pouches. And uh, what else are you building? I guess those are the main things. Like you're 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 raising your capacity for things by hunting specific animals. Um, how did that stuff work for you?
2: Well, I thought it was interesting. You know, you you they create the animals. They want people to interact with the animals. Hmm. But, I mean, in, in, in modern video gaming parlance, interact means kill or be killed. Um,
0: so you don't negotiate you know, they, with these animals. These animals, yeah, you don't negotiate use the with the animals. Right.
2: You don't. You know, there's no there's no breeding Komodo dragons minigame as fun as that might be uh it's
0: you know just what, it's, it's just you, killing them hold on I want to cut you off real quick Graham because you're wrong I know in yeah, Assassin's sure. Creed in Assassin's Creed <laughs> I can pet the animals and every yeah, animal, true every that's animal true. has a unique petting animation so that's a good point so but you cannot pet a Komodo dragon uh so in that regard Far Cry sure. is realistic and we've all seen Skyfall we know those things are not cuddly uh, all right, so, yeah. so, so so Graham, I cut you off. Go ahead. So that's so, your yeah.
2: I was saying they, they needed to push the players, or they you know they clearly they wanted to push the players to, to find them, to interact with them, to you know quote unquote hunt them. Uh, you know, I do have some problems with it in that it's such a it's such a throwaway system. Like once you level up everything, it, it doesn't matter anymore, mm-hmm. and all the objectives are, are completely they're completely arbitrary. I'm not sure if there would be a better way to do it, but it's always weird to be like, okay, level one of my bag I made out of tapirs, and now level two, I need to go get sharks. And it's like, mm. but they needed to push or they wanted to push the player to explore, you know, how are we going to get the player to fight sharks? Like, well, let's make sure they can only carry like five bucks until they kill a couple sharks. Um, so I can understand. I think the system could have been handled much, 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 much better. And it could have been relevant uh, for a lot longer uh, in the game. But the goal of getting the player to like find and kill these animals, you know, that. That happened. I definitely drove my Jeep over a few tapers so I could skin them. <laughs> you know, uh,
1: yeah. So th- this whole game sounds absolutely ludicrous. And like <laughs> as much as I like want to play it to some extent, I-, I don't know if I can. I mean, you're playing like a bro from yep. Santa Monica. Right. And you have to kill sharks to yep. upgrade you. I mean, wh- what the hell is going on here? It-
0: well, it doesn't let me be- explain. Let me explain. <sighs> This this is a metaphor. It's a coming of age story about about a bro getting his first tattoo that's, <laughs> and, that's,
1: and killing a lot of people, huh?
0: Well, it's a metaphor. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Well, it's interesting. I mean, the most the most obvious uh, you know, pay, I didn't know what the word would be, but the most obvious inspiration for a lot of Far Cry 3 is Alice in Wonderland, which the game itself repeatedly. Um, and there's the whole illusion of, 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 falling, you know, you, you land on the island because you're skydiving. Um, so you've fallen into this, this strange place with mystical, mystical creatures, mystical animals. Um, and nothing, you know, makes sense. The sun rises in the, in the west, as I said. So it's, it's, that seems to be sort of the, the feel they are going for uh, of being in a, in a semi-mystical place where anything could happen.
1: Uh, I didn't know that mystical and douchebag. We're interchangeable, though. I mean, well, because Mr. it sounds Mr. like Mr. kind of no, a no. douchebag place.
2: Yeah, but I'm not sure how douchebaggy the place is. I mean, you're you are the douchebag.
1: Well, I mean, there's no doubt, but like it seems like the douchebag gets along just fine. So, I mean, somehow the place must be douchey. That's fantastic right. they, they have to be able to interact. He's accepted
2: very quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they know they're kind. I'm just saying, it's a douchebag island, and uh, everybody takes a turn there.
0: It's really a weird. Uh it's a take on like that that story like the avatar story where the white guy comes and rescues the native race uh and it's a little it's very familiar we here in the first world uh tell that story a lot because we're very fond of it but uh it just feels it feels out of place and odd um and as, as a narrative i it's just really i'm with you mcmaster it's odd um but what where i think it works. And, and Graham, I kind of disagree with you about the animal stuff. I I agree with you that it's contrived, but I really like how clear-cut the player progression is. I really like how clear the goals are. I need four dingo pelts so that I can hold more money to buy a (laughs) signature weapon. Like I I like that clear-cut goal just from a gameplay perspective.
2: Um, Yeah, I don't mind the transparency.
0: And, and I appreciate that transparency. I, I love that I know exactly what kind of reward I'm going to get at what threshold for which collectible. You know, I, oh. so one what, what of the things that I really love about Far Cry 3 and, and what – pulled me through a lot of the silly story and a lot of the contrivances and a lot of the interface frustration was that clarity of purpose that i always had you know i know i need a tape here i know i need to find one more of those japanese dead soldiers letters Uh, i know i need to kill one more outpost i know i needed another thousand dollars in my wallet so i can buy this badass shotgun that i unlocked um and that clarity is something that i feel really helps in an open world game like this um it it reminded me a bit of uh a lesser known open world game made by pandemic called uh Saboteur. And, yeah, I'm no, uh, a Saboteur. Yeah, I like Saboteur. Yeah. And they did a great job with this the this gaminess. Like you know you have to do these things to unlock this skill and you want this skill. You know, here's something you want. Go do this task to get this reward. And we're going to turn you loose with these rewards in this open world. Go kill Nazis. Um, yeah.
2: yeah, well, that was a good system because you unlocked, you know, for doing a specific task, just for those who aren't familiar with this aperture, for doing the specific task, you would unlock new skills, new abilities, like your your ability was, was, you know, permanently increased, and that was really fun. In Far Cry 3, I feel like the problem is for a lot of tasks, not for all of them, every once in a while you get a new signature weapon, like you said, but for a lot of tasks, you just get, like, Twelve bucks and uh, used doll that you can sell for one dollar, and yet, if you're any significant dis- you know length into the game, ninety percent of the weapons are free, and the rest you bought five hours ago. You know, right. so there's no reason for all this money. Like all the all the rewards the game heaps on you uh, is, just, is is almost completely useless. That was a big frustration I had with the game because I really liked exploring the island. So that in itself was reward for sure. But it did bother me that they, that they, being Ubisoft, would, like, create this sunken ocean liner that you could swim through and explore. But they would also, and so that in itself was just a cool site. But they'd also fill it with these lootable chests. And when I'd loot the chest, I'd get, like I said, $5 and, like, a meth pipe. And I'm like, okay, um, oh. this is worthless. Like, why are you giving me this? Like, why is it even here?
1: So Can someone I- swam down. In- no, no, no. It was, it was on the ship when it sat Yeah, it was on the ship when it oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, that's probably a lesser-known verse of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> they were smoking crack, that day, me lads. Uh,
0: it uh, it it does make me think of the diamonds the way they did the diamonds in Far Cry 2. There were there were fewer rewards but they were much <laughs> more meaningful. I got so sick of pressing X to uh, I mean there this place this island McMaster, it might be Douchebag Island, but good lord there's money lying all over the place here. You cannot swing a dead dingo without hitting five or six chests full of uh, meth pipes, playing cards, poker chips, uh, eyeglasses and whatnot, not to mention just straight-up cash. Uh,
2: Plus, the cash you find on the ground, you have to manually pick up. God, I hated that.
0: There's <laughs> you got no to...
2: reason not to just suck up the cash into my inventory. Right, exactly. Just such a weird decision.
0: Yeah, give me a Hoover button already. Yeah. Uh, oh,
2: I don't need a button. Just I, I'm near the cash. I get the cash.
0: Oh, you're, you're right. But, but you only have a limited wallet uh, amount, too. So, you know, it would fill up and... Yeah, yeah, remember? you know... I mean yeah. there's
2: no there's no downside to maxing out your wallet.
0: Well that's realistic too, as we all know from playing uh isn't it the Zelda games that did that? From for real life too. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my wallet my wallet only holds about thirty bucks these days. Yeah, I have up to fifty, but that's because I killed a few sharks the other day. Yeah, I need to go down to Santa Monica and snipe some of the sharks from the pier so that my what wallet if the studio them. calls. <laughs> and to let me know I got the part. I know. Uh, so, so Graham, overall, though, uh, I think you, like me, really enjoyed Far Cry 3. Uh, it has some serious problems, you would say. But uh, on the whole, uh, a thumbs up from you, I take it, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And and, and actually, I just want to say, if we're, it sounds like we're, we're wrapping up Far Cry 3, which is appropriate. But there's just one thing that I think encapsulates my problems with Far Cry 3. And here it is. So, doing... One of the rewards for doing some of the quests, you get new recipes that you can craft out of plants. Mm -hmm. So one of them, one of the recipes is for a potion called Nature Boy. What Nature Boy does is on the game screen, on the game screen, it highlights all the plants that are near you. They take on this golden shimmer. (laughs) However, there's a mini map on the screen that at all (laughs) times clearly shows you Where the plants are And what type of leaf they grow So there's absolutely no reason That you would ever need to use Nature Boy I can only imagine that there, at some point In the game's development It was harder to find plants And they're like, you know what, it's too hard Let's just put these leaf icons on the map Bam, no need for Nature Boy You just see them on the map You, You hold down E for a few seconds You've got your green leaves And then they kept in Nature Boy well, I mean, uh,
1: maybe that's for like the small children that will be playing Far Cry Three across the nation,
0: or or those of us with bad eyesight who have to squint to see the mini map. Why are you so <laughs> intolerant, Graham? Uh, I, think
2: I, it, I mean, it's actually easier to see them on the mini map, but I have good eyesight,
0: so. No, I'm glad happen. you. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I I just want to finish up by saying that I think I I, I think that is a symbol of a bigger problem uh, with Far Cry Three. Uh, and that is, ultimately, my biggest problem with Far Cry 3. It's the same thing as the problem I have with, like, um, Sleeping Dogs, for instance. And the problem is that the bar is so high at this point uh, for open world games in terms of quality and variety. Uh, there are so many different kinds of really good open-world games that, for me, the real problem with Far Cry 3 is Red Dead Redemption, Arkham City, Saints Row 3, Just Cause 2, Assassin's Creed 3, and those are just the recent ones. I mean, you can go back to, to Bully, to Brutal Legend, to Far Cry 2, J- just there are so many open-world games. Voodoo your voodoo, bitch. There's so many open-world games. Dead Island. Dead, Island's Dead Island, it's... yeah, I was like, yeah. I heard
2: that? Yeah, I mean, I hear I hear what you're saying, absolutely, but I think it is fair to say that there are things, and and, and more specifically, there's just the islands themselves, which, other than Just Cause 2, I don't think really have, a, have an equivalent. Like, Bully is a great open-world game, but there's not, you know, as much as I play Bully, I can never jump off a cliff and, you know, knife a pirate in the back, like, as a beautiful waterfall shines behind us. It's just not going to happen. <laughs>
0: It's a lovely image, Graham. Uh, All right, so uh, McMaster, have we sold you? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm I'm good. All right, I I don't, I don't know. I I, maybe uh, once it drops in price, I don't know. I can't, I can't play uh, a dude, bro, for some reason. I just can't do it.
0: Uh, McMaster, uh, it's the best tattoo simulator since Trespasser.
1: Like, I, it's I don't just, know if you
0: remember Trespasser uh, mini Drive. Oh, no, no, no. I know. She gets know, a I tattoo know. on her left breast, which is her health meter. Uh, so in this, you get a tattoo, which gives you uh, the ability to swim 25% faster. What do you think of that?
2: Or
1: the drag one. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I thought that's what you did with tattoos anyway, which actually brings up, what the hell does your tattoo do, Tom? <laughs> Sorry. sorry.
0: You, Moving on. Yeah, you don't want to know. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's get to some games of the week and news of the week. Jason D. McMaster, or J.D. Rearmaster McMaster, as you're called uh, when you're spinning on uh, at the club. Uh, right. What is your choice for news of the week?
1: My news of the week is going to be rather mundane this week, but it's uh – it just kind of surprises me every time. I don't know why, but Black, so- Black Ops 2 grosses more than Modern Warfare 3 in a smaller amount of time, and thus makes Avatar the third high, fastest thing to reach a billion dollars.
0: Yeah, isn't that a little unfair to compare video games and movies, though? Mm, no, because <laughs> because screw Avatar. <laughs> how, how do you feel about the Twilight movies McMaster and how does it compare to those? Oh God
1: I've only seen two of those things and I uh, well, I only remember a part of the first one, but i I think I saw them and uh, they, they didn't really stick.
0: So I want to tell a story. I uh, McMaster and I were recently playing a PlayStation Vita game. And one of the things about PlayStation Vita games is that when you play some of them, at least this one that we might talk about in a moment, uh, it has a voice connection. Now, you may not know that if you're watching TV and you have your Vita sound turned down so you can hear the TV. You may not hear Tom talking to you through the Vita saying, Hey, McMaster, I can hear you. Hello, yeah. are you there? You may not hear that. However, if you're at my position where you're, you're listening to McMaster, his household, and you're talking to him, and he can't hear you, you might hear McMaster muttering to himself, "Go team Edgar, oh go team Edgar, oh, <laughs> oh team is, Edgar. That, is that what happened? Yeah, that's what you were saying, McMaster. I heard you. Really? You were totally, oh. yeah, yeah. You were you were speaking about team Edgar. Oh, I thought what I was think. speaking to myself. <laughs> uh, all right, who's, so, who's Edgar? Is that the yeah?
2: At the at the risk the of exposing werewolf? too much, team Edward.
0: See? Oh, Adver- hey, so hold up, That's- McMaster. That, by the way, that was a subtle ploy to out Graham. As-
2: oh, I have no shame uh, <laughs> about watching the first three movies of the Twilight series.
0: Enough uh, was- to know that it's uh, that it's the name of the werewolf team. I mean, the name of the vampire team. Ah, Damn, it, I could have trolled you again.
1: <laughs> it's all right. Uh, so, was that is is that new thing? The Hunger Games is it as bad as Twilight?
0: Uh, well, it's kind of like Apples and Granny Smith Apples. <laughs> okay, so it's uh, slightly more than Twilight. Okay. So let's see. Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops 2, very successful in a nutshell. Yes, God. yes. Uh, I mean, hey,
1: I'm still playing it somewhat. So. And
0: uh, so It sounds like
2: what, what, Jason, you were reacting to was that it not only wasn't successful, but that it was even more successful than its predecessor. Like each, each new installment right. is gets even more money than the one before it, and faster, as you said.
1: Yeah, which is kind of strange for me, uh, because uh, you would have thought that after Modern Warfare 3 and all that, people might have been a little burned out on it, but nope. Turns out Black Ops 2 was uh, just what the doctor ordered.
0: Well, I feel that... uh contrary to the way some game companies handle their franchises i feel activision is doing a great job with the call of duty franchise like making sure. it a yearly thing throwing enough new value into it and understanding like what the players want you know we talked a bit about far cry and far cry 1 was different from far cry 2 was different from far cry 3 there's a sense that ubisoft is is doing some brave bold things in fumbling for an identity for this series whereas activision they know what people that want and they give it to them and they can even keep sort of highfalutin critical guys like me happy uh i like black ops too I, I, you know I, in a way i think it couldn't have happened to a better franchise um so good for them
1: yeah i agree uh i think uh, activision has a, a good hold on it and to be honest with you i just really think that treyarch had turned into a, a slightly better company uh than infinity ward and uh and Modern Warfare Three, I mean, of course, hurt being hurt by all the stupid crap that went on there, but uh, doesn't take away that Black Ops did really well.
0: McMaster, where does Halo Four fit into this equation?
1: I have not even played Halo Four, <laughs> uh, and I guess that's part of it. Is like I, I used to care about Halo, but I just I'm kind of tired of that game model. Uh, I'm tired of bouncing around. I'm tired of shooting people for forty-five minutes before they die, and yeah. Uh,
0: uh, all right, so uh, Black Ops 2 doing very well, doing better than Black Ops 1, better than Modern Warfare 3. Congratulations to them. Uh, my news of the week, uh, this, is a, this is news on a smaller scale. Uh, so this podcast is part of a website that has a message board on it, uh, a fairly active forum. And on this forum, we are currently weeding out people to find the most powerful, most skilled, most able warriors to take on another forum. So my news of the week is that, yes, there's there's some savagery going on. And my news of the week is that those folks over at Pocket Tactics better watch out because we're coming for them. So here's the deal. Pocket Tactics is a is a great little uh, site that covers iOS strategy games. Basically, that's that's their wheelhouse. Fellow name Owen Faraday writes over there. Uh, it's a very clean, well run blog. Not a bunch not a bunch of busy stuff. He just writes articles the way I like to read them, and he's he's very focused on his subject material. So those folks over at Pocket Tactics seem to think that they can take on those of us at Quarter to Three in Ascension, which is a, a, a Collectible. It's a it's a deck building card game on the iOS. Um, so we are currently, courtesy of Dave Perkins, who has been running uh, tournaments for Ascension for all sorts of various games. We're currently looking for six of the, I think six of the top players at quarter to three at Ascension. If you go to the thread for December Ascension tournament, uh, you will be participating. You'll be competing for a slot to take on those slackers over at Pocket Tactics. Uh, so far, I'm, I'm still in the running. I haven't been ruled out yet. Uh, but th- that's my news of the week: is that Pocket Tactics were coming for you, and and we're bringing uh, what are we bringing with us? We're bringing Master Dartha with us. So. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I want to say if you're in an Ascension game with me, I have I have two words for you: play all button. I cannot stand <laughs> the people who play Ascension who play, because it it replays the other person. It's asynchronous multiplayer, so you take your turn, and then you log off or whatever, and then somebody, when they take their turn, you get a little message, and you log back into the game, and you see a replay of their turn. Who are the people, and actually I could call them out by name, because it drives me crazy, who get a hand of five cards and then play them one at a time, so I have to sit through the animation of each card coming out one at a time, like I've got nothing better to do than to watch this, Only to discover that they were just like five apprentices or whatever. If you see five cards that require no difficult choices or the timing doesn't matter, there's a play all button for Pete's sake. Hit it. Use it. It's there for a reason. Um, All right, that's my news of the week and my rant of the week. Graham, that leaves you. What do you... Oh, you know what? No, let me me get this in here because this is notable. Uh... The folks at Petroglyph, they, they come from they're sort of an offshoot of the Westwood oh. folks who made the Command and Conquer games. Uh, they've been trying mightily to do, uh, and succeeding, by the way, sometimes, to do RTSs for a while. They did the Star Wars Empire at War series. They did a Universe at War series with these cool uh, tripod things. Um, I've just been playing that, actually. Universe at War? Yep. Wow, that's kind of random. Are you digging it? I am digging it. I'm sure I I'm
2: a I'm a huge strategy game fan. I've been going through and playing a lot of um just a lot. I mean real-time strategy is, you know, a if not a dead then a seriously seriously dormant genre. So if, you know, if I want to check something out, uh, I need to dust out an old game. So I bought it, you know, years ago, uh but I recently picked it up and started playing in earnest and those those tripod things, the the hierarchy walkers
0: are pretty sweet. It's a a cool, it's a kind of a unique selling point for Universe at War, isn't it? Uh, By the way, uh, Graham, as far as real-time strategy games being dormant, I think that StarCraft and League of Legends would like a word with you.
2: (laughs) Well, I wouldn't count League (laughs) of Legends, although an argument could be made. And StarCraft is certainly popular, but I think that any genre that has, you know, one game, uh, I mean, I think it's fair to call that dormant. Uh,
0: Have you played uh, two of my favorite games of this year? Were uh, real time strategy games, War Game, European Escalation, and Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion. Uh, I, I don't know that it's dormant so much as not as big as shooters. Which there's an argument to be made. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: I mean, it's not as big, I mean, dormant might be too strong because that implies like total inactivity. Uh, it's just very, it's just very slow. Or even right. more specifically, it's not as brisk as I'd like. You know, I played War Game. <laughs> I played. I played. Sins of a Solar Empire, I like them both. I especially like Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion. It's a fantastic game. But those are really the only notable, I mean, and yeah, those are really the only notable real-time strategy games that came out this year. I feel like... And I think two games, I mean, I, I just wish there were more. As a fan of the genre, I wish there were
0: more. Right, I'm with you. Well, here's, here's uh, some bad news for you then. So the folks at yeah. Petroglyph, who were going to be releasing a game called End of Nations, published by Tryon. Uh, the idea is it's an RTS with an MMO sensibility. Uh, something went very wrong. So there are layoffs at Petroglyph. Actually, I'm not sure that that's confirmed. Um, There are rumors of layoffs at Petroglyphs. But what's not a rumor, what is confirmed, is that the development of End of Nations has been transferred from them to in-house at Tryon. Basically, it sounds like they have been, for all intents and purposes, kicked off the game. And that's never uh, good news. Uh, And also, that's rare. Like, I can't... I know that, uh, I think it was Robot Entertainment. They were an offshoot of folks from, when Ensemble closed, some of them formed Robot Entertainment, and they were making Age of Empires Online for Microsoft. At some point, and this was given a rosy face, you know, this was portrayed as amicable, and this was how it was intended, but at some point, Microsoft took Age of Empires Online from Robot Entertainment and gave it to gas-powered games. Um, And I think that when that sort of transfer happens, it generally indicates some kind of serious problem behind the scenes. So bad news for End of Nations. Uh, it was supposed to be out this year. The the open beta was delayed, uh, and it looks like there's going to be another delay as Petroglyph gets kicked off the project, and it goes in-house at Tryon. So that's one fewer RTS for you this year, Graham. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, uh, Graham, then what is your news of the week?
2: Sure, my news of the week. Is that, uh, the soundtrack for the PlayStation game Journey composed by Austin Wintery has been nominated for a Grammy, uh, in the visual media category, which, so it's up against like movie soundtracks, stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, and that makes it the first, uh, video game soundtrack to be nominated for a category at the Grammys.
0: Now, wasn't the song, it wasn't a video game soundtrack specifically, but wasn't that song, I want to say Baba Yaga, but that's not right. That's that Stravinsky, uh, or Mussorgsky thing from Pictures and Exhibition. Wasn't, sure. wasn't there a song... of Baba Yetu, Baba Yetu. Yes, thank you. Uh, from From Civilization 5 wasn't that nominated for a Grammy, although it's technically not a Civilization soundtrack song. It was just used in Civilization.
2: Sure, yeah. It was Civilization Four actually. Uh, and it, it won, um, but it wasn't... It was it was nominated as a song individually, and it right. was part of a non-video game album. Um, so it that was the first song in a video game, I think, that won. And now this is the first nomination for a full soundtrack for a game that exi- You know that that only exists because it accompanies the game. Unlike Baba Yetu.
0: Uh, can you hum a little of the Journey soundtrack for us?
2: Karen? <laughs> uh, I can't. It's, there's a lot of dissonance. There's a lot of uh, you know, sort of ambient noise I I really wouldn't be able to do that Sounds very 20th century
0: <laughs> Here you go, let me, I'm going to hum McMaster, tell me if I've got this right Okay, here, here you go, ready? Da-da-da-da-da da 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 Is that Journey? Or is that, I'm going to give you multiple choice, McMaster Journey, Jurassic Park, or Lord of the Rings? That was a Jurassic Park Nope, Lord of the Rings <laughs> Was it? Yep They all sound the same it doesn't <laughs> uh all right so congratulations who's the composer again graham uh the composer is austin wintry
2: um and i mean the grammys i'm not a huge fan of their selections uh often i don't think it's i don't think it's the it's an amazing awards thing but i do think it's a great sign of of just video games video game culture becoming more more mainstream more part of popular culture
0: well i hope he prevails against the likes of uh taylor swift and lady gaga uh good luck to him. (laughs) all right let's uh let's talk some games of the week uh graham why don't you start us out what have you chosen as your game of the week and i actually know the answer to this uh apparently we're going to talk some uh 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 geometry now
2: yes yeah absolutely so my game of the week uh is super hexagon
0: which is (laughs) (laughs) do it well i need will i yeah will i need a protractor to play this game
2: you won't need a protractor. You just need two fingers, or one finger in your nose. Um, <laughs> no, it's a two-button game. It's designed by Terry Kavanaugh, who made VV V V with which was this. You know, if, if you if you haven't heard of it or haven't played, it, you know, it's this old, it's a, an emulation, not an emulation. It was a a very simple game mm-hmm. made to resemble. Uh, this old style game, and you had one button that would flip the gravity so a guy would go up, or the other button, he'd come back down. Uh, based this whole world of challenges around navigating your your character through this flippy universe, and now with Super Hexagon, he has an even more simple game where you control a triangle, a small triangle, that orbits a hexagon in the center of the screen, and these hostile you could say but really these bars flow in from outside each one that's sort of uh, modeled to a face of the hexagon flows towards the hexagon and you just have to move your orbiting triangle out of the way of the bars mm-hmm. it's extremely difficult and you know the first time i sat down to play the easiest difficulty mode i think i died in like three seconds you win <laughs> you win a difficulty by staying alive for a minute so, I mean, just staying alive for a minute is, is the victory condition. That's how difficult it is. Um, but it's extremely well-made. It's extremely uh, addictive, even though it, it's such a small game. Like I said, you win. If you win, it happens in a minute. I've played it for over two hours, um, just these these really micro-sessions. You know, you can restart instantly when you lose, you always have your score, which is just measured in time, uh, and it's the the soundtrack is great. So it's really it's a really compulsive experience to to try to survive longer, get your score, dodge the bars. Um, it's a really pure, very minimalist design that is. I think is
0: really engaging. Graham, please tell me this is on the iPad. You know,
2: actually, I think it is. I'm not I'm not an expert. I. I can I can look it up right now actually, but I think that there was even a, an iPad version or, or an iOS version at least before a PC version.
0: So that's what that you're playing on the PC
2: though. I play on the PC, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know it works great, but I think that it was sort of designed with the iOS in mind. So yeah, it looks. Yep, it looks like it. Ninety nine cents
0: uh McMaster when you play super hexagon uh we need you to be uh just you don't get to be a triangle or a square you're just a line is that okay, okay.
1: yeah no, that's fine because I can crush you
0: that way <laughs> you actually that sounds like it would be easier to dodge uh, to dodge things if you're just a line you know what, McMaster we need you to be uh, a big old circle okay all right I'll, let's also yeah. crush you See how many points you can get there. All right, so Super Hexagon. Uh, I, you know, I, I like that kind of. It sounds like the perfect thing to break up long sessions of Far Cry Two or Assassin's Creed Three. <laughs> that, that kind sure of play for a minute. Yeah,
2: it's also uh, very. Uh, I mean, if you like, if you if you like just looking at the design of games, it's also just so. Uh, I mean, inspiring is the right word because I don't design games, but it's very astonishing. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. All right, Super Hexagon. Uh, can we work on the name? Can we call it like that, that VVVVVV thing? That is intriguing. I see Super Hexagon, and I think it's going to be something like Space Chem. You know, Space Chem, I think. I've had people try to sell me on that. It just sounds like some horrible periodic table of the elements thing. Super Hexagon just makes me think of geometry in seventh grade. I have no desire to play something called Super Hexagon.
2: Yeah, well, I think once you see it, there's like a trailer on the Steam page, and especially once you hear it, because the soundtrack really is great, uh, It. It's very you know it's very stimulating. Colors are flashing, uh, the the soundtrack is 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 pumping. So I think you're you're you know you're
0: imagining
2: like a math schoolroom,
0: but really it's like a rave. <laughs> okay, I like that. You know that that right there just sold me, Graham. That that that's all I need to hear. Well put. Uh, by the way, if the soundtrack is so great, why wasn't that nominated for a Grammy? Burn.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like three songs. I don't know if it counts.
0: Uh have you guys played Hotline Miami, by the way, speaking of soundtracks. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Oh, uh, that's some sexy music. I dig I, that.
1: I still think uh werewolf fucking drum set or whatever has the best soundtrack.
0: No, you you got the name right, McMaster. That's that's what it's called. Uh all right, so it's uh so the the guys that made Hotline Miami, they're they're not they're not really game designers. They're just these kind of I would call them provocateurs. Uh, yeah, being the, uh, yeah, I so, but they, they finally sat down and made an actual game called Hotline Miami, but before then they made the game that McMaster mentioned, which I can't say in public because there might be children listening. McMaster has no compunction about that, but what was the name of it, McMaster? Give us that name uh, again.
1: Something like Werewolf fucking Drum Set or something. It was like, there was some, one other word involved,
0: though. Super, I think. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Are you talking about cactus here, or?
0: Yes, yes. Another,
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. They, yeah, they've got some pretty weird games. I really remember their, uh, that one where you play a Scandinavian hunter. Um, that, was a, that was a really interesting game, although I don't remember the soundtrack. Uh,
0: it's, it's no Far Cry 3. I mean, I've spent <laughs> a lot of time gunning down boars with a light machine gun. That's, uh, that's some serious Serapalina Alaska kind of stuff there. Uh, yeah,
2: The Cactus game focused a lot more on,
0: on pooping. <laughs> that's right there's more of a scatological bent yes
1: why hasn't somebody ta- why wasn't far cry 3 based in alaska you could have had sarah palin's as far cry 3 that would have been fantastic I don't, I don't uh
0: you know what it already took enough uh of a cue from skyrim that i think that would just be really pushing it uh, mm. yeah. uh all right so uh super hexagon mcmaster what do you have to top that as your game of the week
1: well, you know, I've been playing a few things. Uh, the <laughs> I was I was gonna talk about Old Squandarlo, uh, but uh, I don't really feel like it. So, I'm gonna go with Guardians of Middle Earth. Um, Guardians of Middle Earth Monoliths uh, a Moba or MOBA, or Dots or Jib Jab or whatever the hell they want to call it now. Um, Game based on Middle Earth. <laughs> and it's not, uh, and luckily it's not just like Lord of the Rings, uh, Middle Earth, uh, exactly. You know, it's, it's got the Hobbit and some of the, the ancient characters and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, uh, it's not just all like Gimli. Shit ton of Gimli. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we run the gamut. Uh, but it's on the console only. And this seems to be a sticking point for a few people. And uh, I'm here to say that it's really not a bad experience. Hmm. Uh, they actually need be, they need to work <laughs> on the servers, though. And that's really kind of what's killing it currently, is lag. Um, but the game itself controls more like an actual League of Legends, or Dota, or Heroes of New Earth, or Demigod, etc. Um and that you use, uh, you know, you move your character around the map. You aim your abilities. You have four abilities that you put points into as you level up. You kill creep and you destroy towers. Um, it moves about at the same pace, unfortunately. Uh, but some, but, yeah, very unfortunately for the console crowd, but uh, some of the basic matchmaking kind of caps the time limit at twenty minutes, which I think is a smart uh a smart move uh and then just kind of like uh decides the game on points at 20 minutes because all of those games come down to a point where everybody's just kind of fighting around their towers for like 30 minutes because it's hard to kill a bunch of dudes sitting next to a tower that can kill you in one shot or not one shot but it can really hurt you uh so so that that does cut down on it um but lag is is killing it right now uh, for me. Uh, But overall, it's it's a weird design, but it totally feels like uh, League of Legends or Defense of the Ancients once you get below how they've disguised it. Um, As I said, you use the right uh, stick to aim and left stick to move, right trigger fires your standard weapon. Um, And you also have abilities much like those other games. Uh, For instance... uh, our buddy Gandalf, uh, the Gray. He's uh, he's a good time. He has Gandalf
2: the Gray and Gandalf the White. Gandalf no, white characters. No, that's no, nah, just, just yeah. Gandalf the fuse.
1: Uh, yeah, Gandalf <laughs> the the sassy colored. Um, he has a, a few. Uh, he, he's like on the higher end of the difficulty scale, but he, but he has a few uh, powers that translate very well to this this kind of game one that uh does damage that ignores armor he can create a flame shield uh, he has a huge fireworks display, display thing that damages uh, an area uh and they they have managed to make many of the characters uh different uh but with any of these games there's only so much different you can make um and uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sorry. It's kind of hard to uh, differentiate these games in a way sometimes. <laughs> uh, but no, what it does that that uh, it kind of fills in for some of the places the pieces that you would think would be missing is you don't actually purchase equipment. Uh, you have gems uh, that you fill in this belt with, and as you level, those gems are automatically added as abilities to your character. Uh, so that kind of uh, replaces the loot chase you know you can you can pre-build these gem things or you can have defaults uh they have kind of overworld spells like they do in league of legends called commands where uh, you can unlock multiple ones like healing ones and extra damage and speed boosts um and uh yeah it it has a It has a lot of the back-end stuff, and if you buy the base game, it it has a certain amount of characters unlocked, but you have to spend in-game currency that I don't think you could just buy. Uh, You have to play the game, but you have to spend in-game currency to purchase more gems uh, or uh, add more characters to your repertoire. Uh, So it's kind of a weird bastardization of every MOBA I've ever played.
0: Okay. uh, McMaster, I'm going to banish you to a desert island. You will have an Internet connection there. However, you can only bring either Guardians of Middle Earth or Awesome Knots. Which one do you bring, and why?
1: God, Guardians of Middle Earth. Um, because it simulates the, the MOBA feel better to me. Uh, it, it really feels like an actual MOBA on a, on a console and not just kind of like a fun take. On a MOBA, like that, or Monday Night Combat, etc. Actually,
2: I have a question. I have a question. So oh. it's just unclear to me when you when you're controlling your character, is there also a cursor, or is it more like a twin stick shooter kind of aiming oh. system?
1: You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's an R, a kind of a, a circle around your character, and within that circle, you, uh, depending on your range of your character, you can use your right stick to point at a certain area. Uh, mm-hmm. And certain abilities, once you you hold the button down to use them, there the circle around you will get larger, and the you know the pointer might change. But yeah, it, it it controls kind of strangely. The only thing that like really bothers me is you can't really look around the map easily. That's that's the one thing. Like instead of using the right stick to like move the map per se, or some of the buttons, it's it's used for aiming.
0: So well, I presume you've got some kind of like awesome knots gives you the mini map down there. Is there some, you, you, something you have like the that? Mini-map. Okay,
1: but uh, and this I will say this is kind of a bummer to me is that uh, it's there's a lot of stuff going on on that screen. Like we'll say it looks a lot, lot more like League of Legends or Dota. In the UI as well, like there's it, the minimap is in a corner. You know, it's relatively small. Uh, you have all of your teammates on one side and their health. All of your team on the left side. Then you have yourself up in the top left corner. You have your abilities down at the bottom. So like there, it's kind of a, a lot going on. So the minimap. Like For me, I have a larger television, so I just kind of sit far away from it. It's harder sometimes for me to tell what's going on in the mini-map because of just how much is going on on the screen, I guess.
0: Uh, McMaster, you and me and Graham are going to play some Guardians of Middle-Earth. Uh, All right. <laughs> Graham, we need you. You get to be Gandalf, uh, so just, uh, okay. just spam your like staff spells and whatnot. That'll that be good. good. No <laughs>
2: one's going to pass. No one's going to pass anywhere. No passing. Sure.
0: Right. Hate that facet. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna carry as Legolas. Uh, okay. I'll just be back there. that, By the way, uh, McMaster, we need you to be a Radagast the Brown. Uh, uh-huh. So stay back, defend the base. Uh, you get <laughs> to you, McMaster. You get to summon squirrels. Oh, well, that's cool. I like squirrels. Uh, uh, and also, you know, McMaster, there
1: is no Radagast. That's actually
0: a shame. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll bring that along. That's he's a beloved character. Uh, oh, from yes. Lord of the Rings. Uh, also, McMaster. <laughs> I have three words for you. Uh stop feeding please. Oh,
1: oh no, you know, it turns out oddly I'm I'm not too bad at this game and I've found the 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 character or there's two really but mm-hmm. Gollum, for some ungodly reason is super powerful.
0: Can I can I give you a theory about this, Master? You tell me if I'm right. Here's what I think is going on. So it sounds like Gollum is there's a word for this, I don't know the lingo as well as you guys, but like he's an assassination, he's like a ganking character.
1: Right, and, E, Legolas, and Halden, or Haldon, whatever, the only three strikers is what they're called in this
0: game. And I'm, I'm guessing that Guardians of Middle-Earth, because it's on the console, because it has the Lord of the Rings license, is attracting a lot of people who don't really know how to play these games. And oh, yeah. in those in those situations, these strikers, as you call them, McMaster, are particularly powerful. So well, I'm guessing in the early days of Guardians of Middle-Earth, you can get in there with Gollum and just clean up. And, you know, I'm giving away trade secrets here, so
1: this is ludicrous. (laughs) And you should be playing with me, by the way, Tom. You'd be getting mad loots. But anyway, uh, the problem with Legolas and Halder is the lag. It's hard to aim a longer-ranged bow character if you're lagging all the time. Mm. So with Gollum, everything is close. And if anybody's played League of Legends, he's like Warwick, uh, the werewolf guy. He like you... He has all these abilities where he can, like, grab you and steal health or, like, chase you down and hold you somewhere and just, like, beat the hell out of you, you know. And so he's just, like, really tough and does a lot of basic damage. Mm Mm-hmm. So he just kind of, uh, he, he can grab you, hold a place, do a few abilities, and you're dead. Uh, whereas a lot of the other characters, uh, they can't take that. Now, there's this guy, Agandar, which I, I'm not as big a Lord of the Rings person as... Uh, you're making
0: Oscar. these up. Haldor, Agandar,
1: these aren't <laughs> real, McMaster. Agandar, uh, Shadow of the North, one of Sauron's most feared lieutenants. God, I thought you knew. Agandar is a black <laughs> Numenorean, you
0: jerk. Well, that's redundant, Once, first of all. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Who played him in the movie? Because I, w- I wouldn't know it if you said it that way. Who played Agandor and Halder? Uh,
1: I want to say Slim Pickens. Uh, but <laughs> if it was Agandor. Agandor and uh, I think Halder was played by uh, uh, Andy Griffith. Uh, this was right before he died. Uh, but no, this character is so ridiculous. He has hardly any basic damage, but he has spells that do so much damage that if you let him get built, he just kills everything. And, and that's, I think, one of the problems they're going to run into is, like, if you combine a couple of these high power characters, they have some combos that just do lots of damage, and I, I don't know how that's going to hold up for people after a while.
0: All right, so uh, Haldin and Agendorf uh, are the characters to look for. McMaster, no, be no, 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 as... no. Call them. Right, Andy no
1: Circus always look for Circus, and then <laughs> ah. hey, but you know they got your favorites in here too. They're my uh, favorites. Go ahead, Lock Go Mog, Look uh, Bowl, Mozgog. Uh, listen, Ori and Nori are in here. I know how you are about Ori and Nori. Uh, you can be Sauron. Okay, I'll be, be Sauron. I'll be the so wait You can, can be Sauron. Yeah, which wow, is funny wait, because what? I've kicked the shit out of Sauron. So are y'all. you
0: just you're just a big old eyeball then? You're just <laughs> yeah, like you're a floating just, eye. Are you, a uh, tower? Well, this, are you one of the towers? Yeah. No, this is like his
1: physical. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to have some like Numenorians and all this crap in there, you can have like their physical representations. I mean, uh,
0: oh, wait, I, Numen, Numenorians are the the like the humans before, like the ancient. I thought they were like the men from the east. I was screwing up. I made a reference to them being dark skinned So now, aren't
1: the Numenorians like what Gandalf was and stuff, or or they're something? Like, yeah, they're like or, the, or, the, or, the or, Arathorn. Or something. I don't know what I'm <laughs> talking about. Uh, and then that, yeah, like Hildafund's Took is on here. I know you like Hildefon's Took. <laughs> you
0: never met the Took. <laughs> We're making these up, McGrath. I don't believe I these. freaking
1: wish. I was. I have no earthly idea who most of these are. Like I see uh, Legolas and Galadriel and Gandalf. You know, whatever. And I know Ori and Nori. I'm no noob, but. You
2: know. <laughs> I have another question for you, Jason. Does this right. game? Uh, is is the One Ring an element at all? Can a character discover it, or does ah, it play a role? I like
1: that. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think the most you can do is uh, you can buy potions for your characters uh, that can make them invisible and stuff like that.
0: That's not. That's not canon, McMaster. That's I don't. I disapp- I disapprove. Well, you know what, Gothmog does not care. <laughs> uh, isn't there? Doesn't someone in Lord of the Rings get, like, a cloak that makes him invisible?
1: That's Harry Potter, but it's also Lord of the Rings,
0: <laughs> I think. That's an
1: owl you're thinking of. Doesn't the owl in Harry Potter
0: make him invisible?
1: Only if he touches it in certain places, but that's wait, that that might be a fanfic.
0: Um. Uh, all right, so Guardians of Middle-Earth, I do want to say, so I, I'm always happy to take a moment to plug one of my favorite RTSs. There's an RTS called Battle for Middle-Earth 2, and when you're playing multiplayer... Every now and then, you know, you're just playing your normal multiplayer and you're building up your army and getting your economy going and trying to break the other guy's economy and you're booming or rushing or turtling or whatever. While you're playing, sometimes Gollum will spawn. Now, he's invisible, so you can't see him. But if you happen to have a unit, these are usually heroes uh, that can spot cloaked units, he might see Gollum and you'll get a little sound cue. Hey, look, it's Gollum. You know, they say something like that. Hey. <laughs> so if you if you whack the space bar, it goes over and sure enough you see Gollum trotting along like he does. And if you kill him, he drops the one ring. Now, what does this do for you in an RTS? you you would you might wonder. If you pick this up, it immediately alerts the other player. Hey, your opponent has the one ring right here on the mini-map. He's got it. There he is. But if you can carry this one ring back to your stronghold, your main base, which you're defending, you can then research, if you're evil, Sauron, or, if you're good, Galadriel. It basically unlocks the uber unit. Uh, and, and there's no surefire way. You can't just spend a lot of money to make this. You have to first hope Gollum spawns, hope you've spotted him, kill him, hope you can get the One Ring back, and then if you do and if you have the resources, you can then get Sauron or Galadriel out on the map. Uh, so it, I'm glad you asked that, Grant, because I think that's that's kind of cool. I love when they take that kind of uh, oh. narrative concept and, and translate it into cool gameplay. There's,
1: like uh, there's plenty of sound bites in it, and uh, I will say I think I scared Chaplin because I got a little bit too much into the My Preciouses when I was killing people. <laughs> <laughs> I showed a few people my precious last <laughs> night. Whoa,
0: way. whoa, McMaster! That's <laughs> you and whoever you're behind locked doors with. Keep that to yourself.
1: Uh, it was it was often the other Lord of the Rings characters. Unfortunately for
0: them. All right, so Guardians 4, for Middle Earth of Middle Earth to Middle of Middle Earth, Earth. and of
1: you have Earth. to play it because I'm tired of you not playing it.
0: So, <laughs> so all right, good. Uh, well, uh, how about I'm going to go for my game of the week with a Vita game, Vita uh-huh. game um, that I didn't realize what I was in for until someone uh, who told us about Unit 13 McMaster. Didn't someone
1: want to say it was? Was it Chaplin, or was it Rudy? It wasn't Rudy Massa. Who did we? Well, we had, we had someone. It was up. Bruce. Uh, no, it wasn't Bruce. Why the hell would it be Bruce? Uh, it was Brad Grins.
0: Brad mentioned, yeah, so when we were talking Vita, I guess it was Brad mentioned uh, Unit 13 as just a basic shooter you can get. And I'd seen the box for Unit 13. Uh, I knew that it was Zipper Interactive's uh, last game. Uh, I think they're now dead, um, unfortunately. They were the folks that had worked long and hard on various games for Sony. They did the SOCOM series. And then they did something for the Vita called Unit 13, which looks terrible based on the box I saw at GameSpot. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, in talking about it, uh, piqued my curiosity. So I went ahead and got Unit 13 and... And while playing it, realized, well, yes, of course I love this, and here's why. Uh, Unit 13 is, if you were to look at a screenshot, just a boring all shooter. It's tactical military thing, quasi-realistic, um, you know, real-world guns. You've got mercenary dudes, and you're shooting terrorists, blah, blah, blah. Very uh, Very rote stuff. However, as I was playing it, what I realized is, wait a minute. I've played this before. This is familiar. And sure enough, Zipper... Uh, I think it's Zipper Interactive. They had done this kind of game before, but with the SOCOM title, with the SOCOM license for the PSP. Uh, it was originally Zipper did fire, SOCOM Fireteam Bravo, and that was them trying to do SOCOM on a PSP. After that, they did Fireteam Bravo 2. and
1: That's Electric Boogaloo subtitle.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and then there was a Fireteam Bravo 3. Uh, You know, this was a series that ran for a while, but a new developer did this. But what the Fireteam Bravo games did, which was really cool, is they couldn't really compete with what Sony was doing with SOCOM on the bigger console systems. Uh, So what they give you is a series of like unlockable missions with weapons that you unlock. It's very Call of Duty before Call of Duty was really doing this, where you're you're sort of grinding, and I don't mean that negatively, but as you're playing, you're unlocking new goodies and attachments for your weapons and your soldiers level up. Like it's kind of this... Mill sim rpg kind of thing but but more importantly what they do is they let you replay missions or randomize missions and they score you based on them uh one of the things i remember from i guess it was fireteam bravo 2 it might not have been until 3 but one of the things i remember is that after you did a mission you unlocked the map and you could go into that map and you could just say hey uh you could set You could uh, choose settings for the map, and you could be like, hey, I want uh, to do a hostage rescue mission with not very many enemies and super hard difficulty. In which case, then it's this cat and mouse to get across this map to find the hostages and avoid the enemies. Or you could say, "Hey, make it make it dumb it down. Uh, I just need to get a certain number of kills and just stock it with crazy numbers of stupid enemies. And then it's just like running and gunning and, and using your yeah. weapons. And you would you would earn experience. You know, you would level up your your dudes or unlock guns or whatever. You would you would progress through the gameplay by doing this. So that's what Unit 13 does." Um, is, it doesn't quite have that flexibility with the, the dynamic mission generator, but after you do a mission, you can then set it to randomize placement, uh, and, and randomize elements. Um, and I love that about it. And you get six dudes, you level them up. As they hit certain levels, you unlock equipment for all of the other dudes. Before you go into a mission, you can, of course, change your weapon. You can put attachments on the weapon. You can pick what grenade you want. And you just jump in and go. They're scored. You know, uh, I'm currently chasing McMaster's scores on a couple of missions. Um, <laughs> and it's just a great sort of sandbox, hey, I want to jump in and shoot some dudes game. Uh, So uh, that's my game of the week is Unit 13, which I didn't expect to like, but based on the stuff that Zipper did with the Fireteam Bravo games, uh, this is a clear extension of that kind of design. Uh, I'm really digging it. And it's got uh, online co-op, as I know from playing with McMaster and listening to his TV while we played.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, you should uh, check your pinball scores. (laughs) Uh,
0: That's not my game of the week, McMaster. We're talking about about, uh, Unit 13. Oh okay, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I actually had to uh, I had to delete uh, Zen Pinball off of my Vita to make room for uh Unit 13. So <laughs> my little 4 my 4 gigabyte card cannot support both Zen Pinball and Unit 13, master. Uh,
1: yeah, I like Unit 13 quite a bit actually. It's neat once you get past the initial this what the hell is going on here face. Of the game and kind of get into it. It's it's certainly cool. I like replaying some of the shorter missions. Uh, like one of the ones I've played a lot that I really enjoy was uh, was one of the stealth missions, which I really didn't
0: expect to like. But uh, not the one that we played that first night, mind you. Here's, here's our yeah. Here's our first. <laughs> Here's McMaster and I doing a stealth mission the first time. I just posted a mission. We jump in. It's a stealth mission. I've got a guy with a silencer. I'm creeping around. McMaster runs ahead with a shotgun trying to shoot everyone. That is, that is Jason McMaster in his stealth mission. Shotgun, <laughs> kill everyone in sight, go. You know, it's
1: sad that this has happened so many times now when <laughs> we've been playing I think, games.
2: I mean, I think science has shown us that people who have been killed by shotguns cannot see you.
1: <laughs> That's true. You <laughs> I mean, know, in and, and this thing, right, yeah. I mean, uh, if you're dead, I mean, your ghost might be able to see me. That's not going to help anybody with Whoopi Goldberg, and no one gives a shit. Uh but no, it's one of the missions where you have to grab these two lists and there's five guards. Uh there's like two staircases and you can you can approach it a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. And uh I've just really been digging that mission. I, I've beat it a few times without killing anyone and without being seen, which is pretty awesome. But I'm just trying to figure out ways to increase my score in it.
0: Uh well that's one of the cool things about Unit thirteen is you can take a mission like that with a predetermined setup and you can optimize, you know, knowing okay, these guards are gonna be here. Mm-hmm. These little approaches are going to have either alarms or mines or something I have to disarm. Uh and you can optimize playing through that setup over and over to try to get a better score. Alternatively, you can play randomized setups where you don't know what to expect. Um, and those are two very different kinds of gameplay. Like, do yeah. I want to do this canned scenario over and over and get better and better at it, or do I want something totally unexpected and just take what comes? You can also, McMaster, uh, there are different kinds of missions. Like, there are some that reward you based on how quickly you do them. There's right. some that reward you based on whether or not you're spotted. There's some that reward you based on, like, the number of kills you get. Uh, so you can sort of choose how you want to play, like, what kind of objective you, you want to chase. Um.
1: Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, kind of some of the, the cool multiplayer stuff in like Rainbow Six, uh, Vegas, and 2, and all that, where you could just set up little missions and run through them over and over with your friends or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. They also have uh, the hardest difficulty level uh, has like no checkpoint. Like normally when you die, you go back to a checkpoint, and there tend to be... For some of the medium-length missions, like three chunks each with a checkpoint between them. If you want to do a hard mission, no health regenerating, uh, no checkpoints. uh, See if you can get all the way through. And one of the things that they do in Unit 13 is they have a mission of the day, every day. And these tend to be very difficult, and so this is a mission that's set up only on this day. You can compete in it to get a high score, uh, and they tend to be the harder elite-level missions without checkpoints. Uh, So I found myself beating my head against that for a while before deciding I'm not ready for this. And I think the idea behind those is you come into them with your leveled-up characters. Uh, because as your characters level up, they learn new skills. So when you jump into a mission, you're bringing in a guy with either he's better with firearms, or he's better with stealth, or he's better with disarming things, or he's got extra grenades. Like, you're bringing in your upgrades that you've earned from, from playing the game. Right. So, yeah, I, I really like uh, Unit 13. It's, uh, it's what I'm spending most of my Vita time with while you're grinding away at pinball scores.
1: Well, mostly for me, Persona 4 still. But yeah, on occasion, I'm taking it. Sarah actually takes a little time off to Vita. When I couldn't keep her from it. I understand. It has, it has pinball on it. It's going to get taken.
0: <laughs> uh, so, Graham, have we sold you on, on getting a Vita to join us in Unit 13?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I need to track down a Vita. I need to figure out what a Vita is. I mean, there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of steps. But uh, my interest has <laughs> peaked. My interest has peaked. Apparently it's a it's a pin, it's a it's a it's a pinball unit that you can install games on.
0: Exactly, it's a handheld pinball system that also plays uh, Zipper Interactive military shooters. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, you know, actually, Graham. So I th- this will be posted on quarter to three uh, by the time the, shortly after the podcast goes live. Um, another thing I really like on the Vita is their Assassin's Creed, and what most of the bigger titles do with the Vita is they just port a game almost directly onto to the Vita, like there's a Need for Speed Most Wanted, which is just pretty much the straight up console game on the Vita. There's a Sign Mora, Sine Mora, whatever you call that, a shooter which I really like. It's just a straight up one to one port on the Vita. What they did with Assassin's Creed is they made a whole separate game, a whole separate character, a whole separate city, whole separate gameplay systems. Um, and
1: yeah, it's in, pretty cool. I like the I like the different disguises, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and in ways, I think it's better than Assassin's Creed 3. Not overall, but there are certain things that Assassin's Creed Liberation, the Vita version, there are certain things that it does that are better than Assassin's Creed 3. Sure. Um, so I, I, I really like uh, Ubisoft. Just I, Those guys, uh, for better or worse, I, I love that they try different things. Uh, yeah. And Assassin's Creed Liberation is just one example. Um, McMaster, have you tried the multiplayer for Assassin's Creed Liberation?
1: No, uh, I've not had a lot of multiplayer luck with any of my Vita titles. Oh,
0: man, I don't, I don't know what to tell you other than um, take a look at that at some point. <laughs> when you get a chance, boot up your Vita, go to Assassin's Creed Liberation, choose multiplayer, and prepare to be, I'll just use the word nonplussed.
1: Nonplussed, eh? <laughs> Is it as good as the Black Ops 2 or Black Ops multiplayer online on the Vita? where it just, like, loads a level with no one in it, and then everyone loses. Uh, all
0: I'll say is take a look. I I, <laughs> I just cannot believe they are doing what they are doing, and I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. <laughs> so I'll just leave oh, you with ow. that little mystery. Yeah.
1: Now I am curious. I'm going to have to check that out.
0: Uh, Graham, so we're going into the holidays here. What are you going to be playing uh, through the rest of December? What's on your plate?
2: What's on my plate? Well, I've got um, Super Hexagon. Got to keep getting those high scores. Keep unlocking the new difficulty levels. One minute uh, at a time. <laughs> one minute at a time. I mean, it—you'll see. You'll okay. see. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. I—I've got a few things in my backlog. The things I'm interested in actually is a game called Miasmada, which is a, a small indie game where you're a, a, a sick, a sick scientist on an island. And you look at plants to find the cure. Um, you sort of explore this island. You're avoiding this this predator. There's one predator on the island, uh, and you try to get these plants, bring them back to your lab, and, and discover this cure. It's super, you know, low budget, made by two guys, uh, but it's really intriguing. Um, and I'm just really curious about it, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out.
0: You're not the first person to tell me about that, by the way. I, I, I love how they're getting the word out about that. I don't know how they're doing it, but you're the second person I've heard about from that, and it, it sounds really intriguing. Miyazmata. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: but it does sound intriguing. It's like a combination of mist and amnesia or something.
0: I thought we'll that's see. the
1: kind of car that Tom drove was a miasmata. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's back in my sorority days, McMaster.
1: Oh my bad. <laughs>
0: Uh, McMaster, what do you got coming up?
1: You know, uh, a bunch of stuff, really. I am I think I'm going to get the Lego Lord of the Rings, you know? I, I can't help it, man. Those Lego games, it's a sickness, and if you don't like it, you're a dick. If you don't like Legos...
0: Just well, you know what? At the risk of outing myself as uh, a dick, um, I loved Lego Batman, um, yeah. and it, it came very close to making my top ten of the year. It didn't quite make the cut, but... I gotta say, McMaster, Lego Lord of the Rings is no Lego Batman. I'm, ah. s- I'm sorry to be a wet blanket. Um, well,
1: see, I like Lego Harry Potter.
0: Uh, did you I, play yep, it? Yep, yep. Uh, I j- really? I just think when they go to a, a narrative-driven Lord of the Rings, like with a sequence of missions, they lose a lot of the charm of the open-world stuff that Batman did, Lego Batman did with Gotham City, and that Harry Potter did with um, uh, uh, Magic University or whatever it's called, Hogwarts. <laughs> Hogwarts,
1: <laughs> Magic Tanaka, Team Edgar. Uh that was TeamMaker University. Uh the uh so there's no like a uh, large like exploration hub or anything.
0: You know what? I, I I shouldn't maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I've only uh fiddle I've only gotten through some of the the first several missions. Maybe it does open up later. I can't imagine how. But basically what they're doing is they don't have the the luxury of having a Gotham City or a Hogwarts or whatever. So They're just a series of missions. You can go back and replay them with unlocked characters, but it just doesn't have the draw that Batman and Harry Potter had for for me. Um,
1: That's a little interesting, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. I didn't think about it that way. It also
0: really feels odd to me, and I guess I didn't notice when, I guess for whatever reason it didn't bother me, but I'm not sure I like running around the Shire as Sam, (laughs) smashing everything in sight, just to pick up those bolts. It just does not feel like anything I relate to Lord of the Rings as as an experience, as a license. It just feels weird. You know, Batman smashing Gotham City, whatever. He has to fight superheroes. You're going to break uh, he has to fight supervillains. You're going to break a few eggs to make a Truth and Justice omelet, or whatever the whatever. Uh, I just don't understand why Sam is smashing all these poor little hobbit gardens and maypoles and uh, little round doors and whatnot in the Shire. It just makes That's, no
1: sense. It feels weird. This Sam's edgy. He's he like, really, yeah, he really. He's is. like Bob Ross's son that paints angry trees.
0: throwing <laughs> so in a tantrum,
2: yeah. So. And when he's done painting angry trees, he goes and destroys the neighborhood.
1: Yes. <laughs> and the people in the neighborhood uh, no i i just played the demo which was like uh one of my least favorite parts of the uh of the entire movie series uh
0: what's in the demo what's the demo have
1: the two towers um uh keep you know the, see the that balance.
0: you would smash right now that you might are you talking about uh uh not Isildur? what's the help or thank or thank see right sure see <laughs> oh, no, Helm's Deep is something different. Uh, I mean, yeah. talking about de- the defense of Helm's Deep? The defense yeah. of Helms Deep. right,
1: right. And See, there know, where, where at the end Gandalf comes over, blah, 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 you know, and rides down on everything. And it, it's, like, cool and everything. It just still bothers me that the elves showed up
0: for some frickin' reason. It's just Because that's not how it happened in Death <laughs> 3. It just doesn't make sense.
1: It just doesn't make sense.
0: All right. All right, well, maybe we'll be hearing about that in a future podcast. Uh, I wish you luck, McMaster. Uh, Graham, thank you for hanging out with us today. I really appreciated getting to talk Far Cry 3 with someone who's played it, since McMaster can't be arsed. Uh. (laughs) My pleasure. Thanks for the invite. And uh, for those of you listening, join us next week. McMaster, what will we be bringing folks next week? Uh, Christmas cheer. Christmas cheer, I like that. Oh,
1: and games and news and stuff.
0: I like that as well. So join us next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Jason L. Rearmaster McMaster and Graham Gia- 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 Ghiadon. <laughs> it is Ghiadon, right? Did I get it right? Sort of. On. I say Ghiadon, but... Ghiadon. Ga- Ga- no, I, mean- I, I got it totally wrong.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's a made-up word, and one of the benefits of made-up words is that you can interpret them any way you wish. Exactly. So...
0: Well, thank you, Grant, for being here, and we will see everyone around on the forums. Go and talk.
2: Thank you. I get a feeling there's going to be a riot.
1: I don't read the newspapers because they all have ugly print.
2: At the starting of the week I tell them it's all true